Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where you can hear the GC team discuss and debate topical developments in public policy and regulation from around the world. I'm Tom White, one of the directors of Global Council, and I'm delighted today to welcome uh, Morton Peterson, MEP. Um, he, he is, of course, the vice chair of the Industry Committee in the European Parliament. He represents Denmark and the Renew Europe group of MEPs that's had such an impact on the um, debate around uh, environmental and industry policy uh, since the last election. Our focus today is going to be on the question of um, really one of the things at the heart of a successful transition to net zero, which is the decarbonisation of industry and the approach that policymaking needs to take to address the emissions from industry and energy generation in a more holistic way, which is very much consistent with the underpinning theories of EU industrial strategy, looking at ecosystems and interdependencies. Um, Mr. Peterson has, of course, led the focus on this issue uh, for a number of years, and no one is better placed to help us evaluate whether EU policy is on the right track for the ambitions that have been set out for industry. Um, I'm going to ask my colleague, Giorgio Corbetta, um, our senior associate in the energy practice, to briefly set out some of the key legislative and spending initiatives that we will be evaluating today uh, before we go into a discussion with Mr. Peterson. Yeah, so thank you very much, Tom. And thank you very much, Mr. Peterson, for being with us. Um, Indeed, what I'm going to do in the next couple of minutes is to really set the context for this conversation. And it matters to have this conversation now because system integration is key to achieve net zero in the European Union. And by system integration, we mean linking the different energy carriers, so like electricity, heat, and gas, across the different sectors like buildings, transport, manufacturing. And the added value of system integration is that it really allows decarbonizing the economy as a whole rather than actually focusing on each individual sector at the time. Um, One of the most conspicuous example of energy system integration is really the electrification of transport, connecting energy, mobility, and buildings, where the idea is really that by decarbonizing the power grid with renewable energies, emissions will also come down in buildings and also mobility. Um, This is important, and that's why the Commission released a strategy for system integration in July last year, together with a hydrogen strategy as well. Now, Those of us who were there at that time will remember negotiating the clean energy package back in 2016. And that package aimed at reforming the energy market also towards fuller system integration. Um, But much of what was introduced by the clean energy package will be reviewed by the Fit for 55 package, which is the major legislation the commission released back in July this year. So how the package will eventually look like matters for both achieving system integration, but also for achieving net zero. And it 
does matter as well when the parliament and the council will agree, because the closer we get to 2030, the shorter the implementation window will be to upgrade and integrate our energy systems. Um, but the details of the agreement also matter, because, for example, without enough renewable electricity, it is inconceivable to power industry, mobility, households. So high renewable energy targets are, are going to be really critical. And also, without enough supply of clean fuels, it will be very difficult to reduce emissions in transport. So um, to, to, to further complicate the outlook, um, beyond the 5055 package, as you see in the slide, there are other legislative proposals that will shape deeply the prospects for energy system integration, including the 10-year the planning of the EU energy transmission infrastructure, on which the parliament is, is actually voting this week, and the hydrogen and decarbonized gas package in December. So to wind back a bit and at the same time launch ourselves in what's going to be in, in an exciting discussion, the first question we want to put to Mr. Peterson is whether the measures proposed by the commission in the Fit for 55 package are actually enough to achieve energy system integration. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, uh, Giorgio, and, and, and thanks for the introduction. And, and, and first of all, thanks for, for inviting me. We're looking forward to, uh, to discussing these uh, topics uh, with, with you all. I think uh, it's important to say that in order to uh, fulfill these objectives with, with the 55% uh, emissions reduction, I mean, system integration is needed. So uh, I see system integration as a, a precondition uh, for us to, to fulfill uh, the targets in, in the first place, because uh, we can legislate and we can optimize, optimize within all these measures and initiatives and legislative acts that, that, that you are pointing to here. But, but the, the thing is that we, we have to have a systemic approach, a horizontal approach to these issues, if we are to uh, fulfill uh, our uh, objectives of, of reduction, reduction of, of, of 55%. So I, I would tend to see it the other way around that if we do not have a, a systemic approach, a horizontal approach to this, then we will not uh, succeed. And if I may add to, to your slide, uh, we also have to look out for a revision of the buildings directive coming out in December 21, uh, which is also a, a great case in point of, of systems integration, of system uh, integration, uh, uh, ensuring uh, the integration of renewables in, 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 in the heating systems uh, all over Europe, given that the buildings uh, are, are accountable for such a, a big chunk or part or share of, of our overall, overall energy consumption. So uh, I, I think there are so many good uh, things and, and, uh, on the table, and, and I fully appreciate the Fit, fit for 55 package, uh, but I, I also clearly see uh, that, that we have a common challenge in terms of ensuring that we have this holistic approach to, uh, uh, to, to, to what's going on. And, 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 and to just to, 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 to cite or name a couple of examples on this, uh, by expanding the ETS scheme to also including transport and, 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 and buildings, uh, clearly that, that is a, a, 
that is an effort that that is uh, is 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 really interesting given that it's sort of 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 tries to then encompass these two important sectors within uh, an overall uh, framework thereby hopefully also achieving a somewhat say a simpler uh, legislative approach to uh, to some of these issues so uh, we will be extremely busy over the next couple of years having lived through the the clean energy package in in the previous mandate and 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 remembering uh, how busy this was uh, i think it's very important to say that the package on the table now uh, in terms of of size the sheer magnitude of this package is just mind blowing and i i think that the 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 overall approach and the general vision is this is right i like it i i i i'm i'm going to work hard to see if we can achieve it but i also clearly acknowledge that the points that you mentioned Giorgio in terms of ensuring system integration and sector coupling is going to be so difficult because we have now 13 legislative acts on the table more will be added like uh, for example the uh, the buildings directive as well as some of the gas issues uh, later this year so uh, there are so many files on the table and how do we ensure that we have this overview uh, on all this in order to ensure uh, exactly what you're mentioning and alluding to uh, the system integration approach. So uh, this is going to be difficult and I would foresee, and I, I'm curious to, to have your thoughts on this, that, that in the next couple of years, we'll try and work hard to, to fulfill all these targets. But, but we also know how difficult it is and you'll see varying interests across member states, across political groups. You'd see a lot of sensitivities out there, not least given the latest developments in the markets with the spike in energy prices and the sensitivities toward social issues. Uh, if, if, if you have uh, energy prices that are going through the roof. So that it is so sensitive and, and, and so many elections right around the corner. So we might very well end up in a situation where we in two, three years time might not have achieved all that we wanted to achieve. And then what? Then we will have to do some sort of gap filling exercise, again, looking across the board to see where would we need to deliver even more than it's on the table uh, right now. So very exciting times, uh, very challenging times. And, and, and I really look forward to working with, uh, uh, with you all on, on, on this because I, I find what, what we do now is, is simply put, laying out the foundations for the next 10, 20, uh, perhaps even 30 years of, of, of policies on, on energy and climate issues. So these are really exciting times. Thank you, Georgia. Um, could, I, could I just pick up on one, one point? You mentioned the, um, the, the vision is right and that the, the potential of a more holistic approach seems to have been understood now by, um, by the Commission and by others. Um, but do you feel that the um, the starting point in the proposals is is at the right level of ambition? You know, can you see if we think about the critical path that you're describing of where we get to by 2030 and then beyond to 2050? Are we starting with the right level of ambition, or does it look as though some of those sensitivities you mentioned have have held back some of that ambition? Well, my my worry would be that that. Uh... That, that it's going to be so bloody difficult uh, just to achieve the uh, the, the fifty five uh, ambition. Uh, I come from a country where we have a seventy percent uh, ambitions uh, of, of of reductions by twenty thirty, and and believe me, it's it's uh, really really difficult. Even in a country like Denmark, that would have the ideal preconditions for uh, for for a very very robust and and, and ambitious uh, 
uh, target. Um, so uh, achieving 55 uh, on, a, on a European level is, is in itself going to be really, really difficult. So I, 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 I would prefer to be able to say that I would have uh, gladly have had even high ambitions, but uh, I've also been in politics long enough to know that, that, that these things are going to get very difficult now. We, we spelled out the visions, the ambitions, now we have to deliver. And, and, and believe me, when we start fighting among the political groups and the various member states are coming into the picture, having to agree on their approach uh, to all this uh, uh, very soon will be in, in, in very, very difficult negotiations uh, uh, all across the board. So um, I think the vision is right. Uh, I think it's going to be very difficult to fulfill it and, and it's going to take a lot of work over the next uh, couple of years to do so. So I'd, I'd like to come back to the, to the different member states because you're right, they all have very different starting points, both in the sense of their energy mix, but also their industrial needs. And a lot of that is going to inform the positions they take in the council. So we, we do want to come back to that. I, I wonder if we might just focus in a bit more on your specific work in the in the committee at the moment. And wh where would you see the, the dividing lines or the, the most contentious issues um, as, as our audience tries to anticipate where, where things are gonna be going and, and also where they might have evidence to offer to, to inform some of the decision-making? So, uh, I mean, there are clearly two strands of, 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 of worries or sensitivities at the moment. One, one is the, the, the social dimension and, and the yellow jackets in, in France to, to use this as an example. And, and again, coming back to, to the issue of, of the spike in energy prices right now, clearly uh, people are, are, are in general very uh, sensitive to, uh, to this. So this, this is going to and uh, I wouldn't say a new dimension, but, but the, the sensitivities involved in this are, are larger than, than I would have thought just you know, a couple of months back or so. So this is something we have to take into account and, and, and put more emphasis on that than I would have envisaged, at least for my part, having underestimated the sensitivities in, in this. So clearly, uh, this is going to be an extremely important uh, feature in, in, in all this. And the other strand is, you, you, could, you could put it this way, you could, you could argue like the, the pro-business uh, kind of, of, of way of thinking, saying that we have to ensure that in terms of competitiveness, that, that European industry is not undermined. And this, is, this, this leads us right into this carbon border adjustment mechanism and, and, and all the difficulties inherent in this. And I think uh, people in general would, would say that, yes, as a concept, uh, this uh, CPAM notion is, is, is interesting. It's, it's a right way of thinking, but how on earth to get there in, in, in practice? Uh, will we eventually be able to get into talks with the Chinese or even the Americans on this and not having to introduce a sort of unilateral EU uh, carbon border adjustment mechanism or, or, or what? Uh, so the, the sensitivity in, within industry in terms of how this is going to play out, uh, ensuring that, that we do not see the offshoring of, 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 of European jobs to uh, other parts of, of, of the country is another uh, very important strand in this. So, so you have the, the social dimension and you have to say the, the, the business perspective on, on this. And the two, these two strands of, of thought or sensitivities are, are, are very dominant at the moment and will dominate the entire legislative cycle over the next two to three years. 
And I think that maybe we'll come on to the, the business impacts and the CBAM because there's a whole range of issues we can explore in that. But just on your first point about the, the social dimension and clearly the impact of energy prices and on, on, on employment, what, what do you think is the, the right approach? Because there will be those who say, um, let's not go too far and too fast in imposing regulation and costs. And there'll be others who say, what we need to do is be very ambitious in our fiscal policy and make sure we compensate people who are you know, losing or, or suffering from these policies. Um, what, what would be the um, position, particularly in your group, which I know has, has um, quite a diverse range of views on, on the questions of both fiscal policy and, and, and environmental ambition. And what would be the, what's the sort of new deal that we offer people? Right. So uh, I think that 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 what's important to, to, to mention here is that that uh, this can also I mean, in order to compensate for, say, uh, social uh, issues, uh, member states have a lot of, of competence and authority in, in, in these issues. So this is not uh, only a question of, of pointing to the EU as such, saying that uh, this is uh, an, an EU issue. Member states have a lot of work to do. Exactly because the, the preconditions are so varied. I come from a country with very high taxation on on everything, uh, more or less, and 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 so it, it would be a a Danish political priority to see if some of the these costs should be uh, alleviated uh, away from consumers and taken on by the state. Say you'd have a very different situation in in other countries. So uh, I think it's important to. To, uh, I mean, member states uh, and, and their way of distribution and, and taxing uh, people or businesses is, 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 is absolutely key in this in order to address uh, the issues that, that, uh, that, that you raise here. But, but obviously, and adding to this, we will have instruments at a European level, like the social fund and, and some of these extremely big uh, uh, financial mechanisms that member states obviously benefit from so, uh, I mean, there are tools, there are proposals out there that will have to be addressed, but at the end of the day, it will be a, a very, very much member state-based uh, approach to how, so, how to solve these issues specifically, given that these sensitivities are, are obviously very national or even local in, 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 in some instances. So, so a lot of responsibility in this uh, actually lies upon member states, uh, I would say, that, that would have to address this given their traditions and, 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 and culture and history in terms of addressing uh, social issues. One consideration that uh, we wanted to share with you on the social dimension of the green transition is actually something that we picked up over the past few weeks uh, by speaking with different stakeholders in town. And one is, is about um, many stakeholders actually, um, you know, looking at the social climate fund as actually not enough. Uh, if you think of the actual cost that uh, will, will have to be, you know, bore in particular in poor member states or those who have a very different point of departure than your, your own country. But the other one is a question that uh, many stakeholders are asking themselves around, didn't we already 
basically take into account that this green transition was going to have a cost uh, in you know how we actually figure uh, the the fifty five package as such plus the different recovery funds. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you could you could argue that that uh, at least some of it has to had had been taken into account already. But 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 I also see and sense that that again coming back to to the point of of of, um, of of the sensitivities given to the spike in energy prices that these discussions are more sensitive than than previously envisaged. And and, and my worry would would be to the extent that that these discussions would actually end up blocking. Uh, what's on the table right now uh, because of the insecurity in all this and, and because of, of difficulties in addressing uh, these real issues uh, in, in terms of, 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 uh, of, of social uh, acceptance. So uh, uh, my worry would be that, that, that this would you know, delay things, that, that you see some processes uh, in, 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 in the legislation uh, between commission, parliament and, and, and council that would actually lead to some sorts of delay in this because uh, we are really in a hurry. I mean, the latest IPCC report, uh, the IEA report from the spring, uh, having had the privilege of discussing this with uh, Fatih Bihol yesterday, uh, I mean, it all points to the same basic conclusion that we are in a hurry. We ought to be in a hurry. And, and, uh, and these sensitivities arising from spike in energy prices is not going to make it easy to, to put it mildly. And, and, and my worry is that, that we'll see delay in some of the, the initiatives or measures that ought to be taken. We already see now, in my opinion, that we will have really, really difficulties in, in, in reaching our 2030 targets because, uh, for example, the rollout of, of renewables, the deployment of renewables needed in order to ensure this transition, that requires permitting. And permitting is, is also a big and sensitive issue in, 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 I believe, all European countries. Problem being that you have lead-in time of several years for each and every project being postponed, and then we end up that we do not deliver on, on 2030 targets. So I, I don't want to sound too pessimistic on all this, but, but I'm, I'm just trying to be very realistic in terms of how bloody difficult this is going to be because... I know, we all know that as soon as we start negotiating for real, you have all these sensitivities coming out and all of a sudden it just gets more complicated or, or, or we just legislate more slowly than we otherwise ought to do. And, and I think we're discussing some of these sensitivities that might lead to, uh, to us being delayed, but, but this is where the political fight is. I mean, to keep the ambition, to maintain the vision and to keep up speed. And if we don't do this, uh, I mean, we won't deliver on 2030, as easy as that. So there's definitely the urgency is something that the, the commission's also been keen to emphasize. In part, it's the urgency of 2030, but it's also the urgency of passing the legislation so that the investments can happen in time right. in the real world to, to make that happen. I mean, to make things happen quickly, of course, you need a, a good coalition of, of like-minded interests. And I was just interested where do you see the, the allies for, for you and, and those who agree with you on, on how urgent this is? You know, do you, do you see a, a block of member states pushing for this or does it come more from the, the parliament or you know, where, where is the um, energy coming from? Right. So, so uh, uh, I mean, previously, uh, I mean, it, it used to be 
so that that commission would propose uh, whatever and 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 parliament would would raise the the the, uh, the ambitions or, or the objectives and then everything would just go dead in council i mean you would have this bermuda triangle uh, all over the place and 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 we might be up for a repetition of this i don't know but what what is interesting and difficult is that even though we are two years into the election cycle we we haven't really started working on these files yet on this stuff yet I mean, due to Corona and, and due to this crazy year that, that we've had. So there's been some postponement on all this. So it's only now that we for real with the Fit, Fit, Fit for 55 package and, and the other files coming up. It's only now that we really have to prove that, 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 that we can do and, and, and will succeed in, uh, in, 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 in this transformation. So um, I think that given that the elections in 2019 to a very large extent uh, were, were based on, on voters being occupied with, with the green agenda, with climate issues. And for sure, uh, the European Parliament uh, should, ought to uh, deliver uh, on this. But the devil is going to be in the detail, not least uh, in all these very complex files that we have on the table now. So uh, again, I'll be pushing for it, I, but I also know and acknowledge that 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 things are going to get difficult when uh, when we get into uh, into all these uh, negotiations. Now there are all sorts of, of 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 member states and countries out there that that would have, take a very progressive uh, view on, on on this. But for sure, you also have member states being more hesitant to put it mildly on as to uh, the speed of this. I think one one of the the issues that I I sense in in in, in my Sorry, my daily work with, with colleagues is that 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 it is really an eye opener for a lot of people that the the prices, uh, the falling prices in renewables in, in offshore or, or or PV or what have you, uh, I mean the dramatic price fall over the last five ten years is really an eye opener to a lot of people because we we are moving away from this sort of, 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 of notion of, of renewables being some sort of a, I don't know, hippie thing uh, up in the northern parts of Europe till, uh, to the point where we are now that if you want to go greenfield today, I mean, these are the cheapest way of, of, of supplying energy and at the same time, obviously, being renewable and green. So this is a game changer. And, and I sense this uh, also with colleagues, <coughs> sorry, colleagues from, from countries that otherwise, otherwise might have been say, conservative or, or hesitant to embracing all these exciting new technologies, that there is a new agenda out there that is so exciting. And, and this is a game changer that I hope we can build on and, and make sure that we integrate to the uh, furthest extent in, in all the legislation that, that we have on the table right now. There's uh, w one more interesting point on this that you just mentioned about uh, you know the role of basically the subsidies actually going forward. And I guess that the first question is, do we still need support mechanisms for renewable energies? And the second one is, how do you see in the context of this conversation, you know, so the conversation also around how the Fit for 55 package is going to be negotiated, what's the role of the revision of the state guidelines? So how does that actually play into um, the discussions that you and your colleagues are uh, having as we speak now. 
Right. So uh, I'd say, uh, generally speaking, uh, so so uh, with, with all the various supporting schemes out there, or all the various uh, recovery uh, fund issues and and the RF and 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 the budget agreement uh, from, from last year. I mean, we are at, at a general level pumping out so many billions of euros in the economies all over Europe right now that that this issue of of, of state aid and subsidies seems to be uh, I wouldn't say a minor issue, but but clearly we have a different approach to this now than what we used to have just a year or two ago. So. Uh, I, I would I would say that that member states providing uh, detailed plans and proposals uh, to to uh, further speed up their green transition within the RF within all these various schemes. I mean, they, they obviously have a very good chance of of getting approval of this, despite uh, whatever kind of, of of competition issues or subsidy discussions you, you you might have. So, on a very broad and general level. Uh, I think it's it's a we're in a different place now than what we were for a year or two ago. Having said that, I, I would still argue that 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 given that we need to move away from fossils, we need to move away from coal as soon as possible. I mean, this is a given, and and we can discuss the role of gas as a bridging technology and. And for, for, for how long a period should, should this uh, go on, et cetera, et cetera. These are all uh, very, very uh, interesting and, and difficult discussions, by the way. But uh, I would say that in, in order to ensure uh, that we develop uh, the, the, the right green new technologies, be it e-fuels or hydrogen or, or uh, some of these exciting new uh, ammonia, some of these exciting new uh, things that, that are going on, some sort of subsidy schemes would be fair and, and needed in, in, in my opinion. So on the one hand, I'm applauding and, and so happy with the price fall in, in, uh, in wind and, and PV. Uh, and then adding to this, uh, I think there is still room for or a need for uh, some sort of schemes uh, catering to facilitating to the further development of, of, of clean new technologies to, to some extent. Now we can discuss the balance and, and how much and under what terms and, and conditions. So very just to say very broadly, very roughly speaking, I, I think I still think that that it is fair and there is a need for some sort of of of, of, of subsidy component in order to ensure that we develop the right new technologies, green technologies in the speed that we need to do. Uh, I think you're you're right. The whole calculation around subsidy has changed massively over the last couple of years. And I think the question will be where do we where do we want to formalize that and make it something that we see as structurally necessary and, and where do we want to try and put the genie back in the bottle a little bit and, and rein in some of the, the spending and um, perhaps we can come on to a, a couple of questions we've had from the, the audience and you mentioned the role of gas as a transition fuel where um, obviously we're, one of the big decisions we face around that um, is this question of how natural power generation from natural gas would be treated in the sustainable finance taxonomy and whether there are um, parameters and ways of permitting gas gas powered electricity generation that can be deemed sustainable for, for the purposes of investment. Um, I'm, I'm interested in your your view on this because clearly there is an argument that says um, nothing that links to fossil fuels can be sustainable because it will just lead us to locking it in and we need to focus on all the new technologies 
And then there are those who say, well, actually, we need to recognize that there are some fossil technologies that will allow us to transition and build capability for you know, pipelines for hydrogen and so on. So uh, I'd be interested, we've had a question from the audience about your view on that. And I'd, be, I'd also be very interested in it. So um, I'd, I'd be in, in, in the former camp of, of what you described here. So, so I, I, I would tend to be, uh, say, uh, very strict in terms of what to accept and what to allow within the taxonomy and, and all the various uh, legislation, legislative files we, we do have. So I, I'm very much in, in, in favor of, of pushing hard in order to ensure that, that, that we move away from, from all kinds of fossils as soon as possible. But I'm also enough of a real, realist in, in, in this to, uh, to acknowledge that some member states and, and, and some regions uh, would, would have a very difficult time if it were not for some sort of, of say, pragmatic or flexible approach to this. But, but I'm, uh, if, if, if we are to, to do this in, in a flexible way and a pragmatic way, we would still need to have some sort of quite a strict uh, measure, say, uh, laying out uh, the timeline and all this. So, so I, I would be, I, I would be, uh, say, ideologically or, or politically uh, motivated to say that that to, to, to take sort of a, a hardline approach to this, but 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 also with an eye on 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 on, and and this is where it gets so difficult because uh, we have to have you know, uh, people and, and, and member states with us in this transition. And, and, and that requires that, that people and, 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 and the electorate, I mean, they can feel somewhat assured that they won't go to bed freezing this winter, either, uh, even though we uh, wrap up renewables to the speed that we will. So all this to say, I, I would prefer to be tough on, on fossils and, and, and transiting uh, away as soon as possible and be strict in terms of taxonomy and, and, and all the other uh, legislative acts that we have on the table. But I also have to acknowledge uh, that, that uh, again, and I'm coming back to the 2030 uh, ambitions and, and the scale of, of renewables that, that we're not driving fast enough on this. And there are many reasons for this. Uh, one of them being permitting, by the way, that, that, that uh, permitting is such a sensitive issue all over Europe. That, that we cannot build uh, what we want to build inland. And now we, we struggle to do it offshore as well, given all the multiple interests out there from fishers and navies and, and merchant sailors and, 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 and biodiversity issues and, and, and what have you. So, uh, I mean, all these things are interconnected. And if we do not get the permitting thing right, we won't be able to, rate, to, to, to ramp up renewables uh, to the extent where we then can transit away from, uh, from fossils uh, in, in, in in the speed that, that I would want to see. So all things are interconnected, but sorry, this is a very long answer to, to your good question. I, I, would, I would tend to be hardline on this in terms of taxonomy and, and, and other issues as well. Oh, that's, that's very clear. I mean, just on your point about the permitting, um, is, is there a, a, a role for the Euro European Union level legislation to try to accelerate some of that? And of course, respecting local democracy and local traditions, but but to say that in some cases there is a transformative technology, we just have to build it, and there needs to be some way of overriding some of those um, bits of friction in the system. Would, would you go that far in trying to deal with that issue? Yeah, uh, I, I would, uh, knowing perfectly well that, that this is something member states would hate, 
because they, they for good reason see this as, as their prerogative. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm also just acknowledging that if we do not change approach uh, to this permitting issue, then, then we won't succeed. Uh, so uh, I, I would be very curious in, in looking further into what could be introduced even at a European level. And, and then second, uh, secondly, adding and, and ensuring that, that we have this coming back to this uh, sector coupling, sector integration approach, that we also ensure that what we do and, 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 and accept and, and, and legislate upon in terms of biodiversity that we know with the impact assessments that we do, then okay, then what? Then what are the ground rules in terms of permitting? So, for example, uh, from from a biodiversity perspective, when, when you have proposals out there saying that thirty percent of of, uh, you know, of of all land should be conserved for for biodiversity, then then what is the impact for the rollout of renewables in terms of permitting? I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to answer this question, but but I think. And this is coming back to the general uh, approach on, on, on horizontal perspectives and system integration, that if we have a vision or ambition on biodiversity, how does this play into this permitting issue? And, and, and I think we have a lot of work to do to ensure that what we adopt in one area, uh, that we are fully aware of the impact of this in the other areas or other domains or other silos. And if we do not get this right, then we end up adopting all sorts of legislation in all corners of, of the green agenda uh, without necessarily ensuring that these are, are correlated and, and, and not at least contradictory in terms. So this is going to be a gigantic task uh, as well over the next couple of years. No, just to, sorry, sorry, Georgia. Just, just one rather quick mm -hmm. one, um, which, which also ties well, I think, with what we've been saying up until now. I think when it comes to, you know, uh, both the permitting issues, but also, you know, renewable energies, renewable energy targets. Um, how would you see, you know, the commission now basically taking a stance against biogas and biomass pretty explicitly in the renewable energy directive? And I'm asking this, you know, also considering your own constituencies and you know how biomass biogas has been also crucial uh in the nordics to you know get to in a progressive way net zero eventually absolutely and 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 uh, i mean I, I i guess it proves the point that, that the preconditions are so varying and different all across uh, europe because You'd have a lot of people out there, not least the Nordics or Scandinavians, saying that yeah, you can have sustainable biomass. It's not in itself, uh, you know, uh, an issue. Clearly, uns unsustainable biomass would be. But but you'd have a lot of countries where you'd hear these arguments saying that that we have been able to, uh, in a sustainable way, integrate sustainable biomass into our uh, energy mix uh, and and. And have succeeded in, in doing so. So, so, so there, there are many nuances in this discussion, and and and, and clearly for, for, for the red directive specifically, uh, I mean, we'll have long discussions on definitions on and, and terms of of how to comply with, with sustainability criteria. Also, I think one should look out for not having these broad categories or or 
uh, broad definition, but but uh, having a more granular approach to 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 this would serve us well when uh, when we get to negotiate this. Thank you. I'm, I'm conscious we're almost um, up in our time, but I did want to ask you a question from um, from the audience. Actually, broadening out the conversations slightly, you mentioned yourself the um, buildings directive, which will also look at some of the the demand side for energy. And we've had a question about the sustainable product initiative and the industrial emissions directive, um, and whether um, how how what kind of role could you see them playing in the move to net zero and in in the sector integration well again everything is 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 is, is interconnected so uh, uh and 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 i think we have but but that is sort of a law more of a a uh, say uh, institutional challenge in terms of ensuring that whatever we adopt in some of the measures that 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 you're mentioning that the impacts of this how does this spill over to all the other files and directives and regulations that, that will be negotiated. So, so, so clearly we, we have, and, and I think we all have, have, have a big job to do here. The commission has in order to ensure that, that they would get it right in terms of, of analyzing and evaluating all the impact assessments on, on all the initiatives, but also as we go along, because if, if we agree on, on a file, uh, one one area and 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 the impact assessments are not clear then eventually uh, we would have to 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 fill this gap in in, in some other way so uh, just to say that 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 we, we really have a big issue in ensuring that we have an overview and and this is why i i believe this entire exercise with the fit for 55 and 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 the files that that uh, that will come up uh, later in this process it it is such a, a great and important task ahead of us. And, and I sincerely believe that if, if we manage to do this, if we manage to, to get this right and, and do it, Europe will obviously be the first continent in the world to have such an encompassing set of legislation fostering a green transition. So it is really a gigantic, I wouldn't call it experiment because it's, it's very, very serious stuff that, that will uh, be legislated, uh, be doing legislation uh, upon, and it affects uh, everybody's uh, daily lives, what we end up, up doing here. So, so it is to be taken with the utmost uh, seriousness in, in, in the approach to this. But I'm, I'm really fascinated by, by the vision in this, and, and, and it's going to be so difficult to do, and all things are interconnected. Uh, also, the the initiative that 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 you just just mentioned. So, system integration, sector coupling, a systemic approach might be more needed than than ever. Uh, looking uh, ahead and and with all the work on the table now for the next two three years. Thank you. If I if I can just ask one one final question because you mentioned it yourself earlier on the um, carbon border adjustment mechanism. Um, clearly, the aspiration would be for Europe that. The mere threat of having this instrument will encourage trading partners to introduce their own measures. Um, but if that doesn't work, um, could you just give me your assessment of, of whether we will see that measure introduced? Do you think it has sufficient support and credibility? Well, I, personally, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it, and, and uh, I, I would like to see it. Uh, 
other uh, trading partners, the Chinese, the Americans would, would, would sort of buy into this so we could at least have a dialogue with, uh, with, uh, with our friends here on, on, on these topics. But, but, but clearly to, to put it the other way around, if we do not uh, in, in getting a CPAM, uh, this, this mechanism introduced in a, in a proper way, and then what? Then how should we be able to to increase our own ambitions in 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 Europe without risking the offshoring of of industry and 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 and, and jobs? So uh, I think it's a task that we have to take upon us uh, to look into this, and hopefully we can get Chinese and 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 the Americans to uh, to discuss or talk with us or at least take it seriously because it is needed if we are to. Uh, raise our ambitions and and ensure that we do not have a, a backlash from uh, businesses and 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 and, and populations uh, seeing their jobs at risk uh, in a context where we uh, uh, raise our ambitions. So uh, I think it's needed. I, I'm 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 fully in line with with the uh, thoughts behind these proposals, and I, I hope we'll see it uh, flying uh, also uh, clearly uh, or, or given all the difficulties in, inherent in, in this concept. Thank you, that's a very clear position. Um, I, I hope we can um, uh, reconnect with you perhaps a bit further down the track in the legislative process to, to review where, where some of these files have got. But um, for now, I'd say thank you very much for your time. And I'm sorry, sorry we didn't get to all of the questions that have been posted. We'll, we'll pick some of those up uh, offline. Um, but for now, I'd just like to say thank you very much to Mr. Peterson and to Giorgio, for what's been a really interesting and wide-ranging discussion. Many thanks indeed. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more insights, blogs, and analysis, you can visit our website, www.global-council.com, and subscribe to our mailing list. And you can follow us on Twitter at global underscore council.